Good morning, Novation Nation. Um, I would say it's good to see your faces, but I guess you have to say it's good to see my face. <laughs> but I sure do miss you guys, and um, but I am excited about what I think God wants to do with us this morning, um, not just in the worship, but through the Word this morning. His Word is life. So let's seek Him together. Father, as we seek you this morning, Lord. Um, people do not need to hear from me. We need to hear from you. So, Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. May it be helpful and beneficial to all who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Years before Jesus came into the world, um, the Jewish people were taken captive by the Babylonian kingdom. And so they were dispersed throughout the world. And in each place that, that they ended up, you know, that wasn't their homeland, they tried to make life as normal as they could. And the Jews would set up a synagogue in the place, the new places that they lived. So there were Jewish synagogues spread out throughout the, the world at the, in the time of the Bible. And God in His providence, God in His sovereign wisdom, knew that that was going to happen. And he was laying out a map for the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts and some of the other missionaries that went out to tell the world about Jesus. Because Paul, in every one of these cities, as he left Jerusalem, he would go from city to city and he would find that synagogue. And he would go in and he would tell them that the Messiah had come, that Jesus, that he would explain to them from the scriptures all that who Jesus was, what he did, etc., and about the resurrection. And in, we see this recorded in, in the book of Acts chapter 19, where he went to a town called Ephesus. Ephesus is still a city in modern-day Turkey, in, in the western part of Turkey. And Paul goes there, and he preaches the gospel, and some of the Jews convert. Some thought he was, you know, talking nonsense. And actually in the city, they got mad at Paul and like a riot broke out and he got beat up and all kinds of crazy things happened. But in God's strength, Paul stayed with the, the people of Ephesus for three years, plants a church, builds relationships. And then we get the letter to the Ephesians, which is in the New Testament, one of Paul's prison epistles. He wrote several letters from prison for preaching the gospel. And he's writing this church in Ephesus to to, to strengthen them, to remind them of who Jesus is, to remind them of who they are because of Jesus, and to uh, encourage them to walk in unity, to guard from error and heresy. He gives practical advice on, on being married and, 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 and families and children and parenting and, and ultimately how to stand against the schemes of, of the devil. And so I've titled this series, Rooted, because there's a verse, chapter 3, verse 17, Paul's praying, and he says, I pray that you be rooted and established in love. And I saw that theme throughout the book of Ephesians. So we've I've titled this series, Rooted. When obviously, when you think of, of roots, you think of a tree. Did you know that uh, there are over 60,000 different types of trees in the world? I went out on the Google, and the Google told me that there's over 60,000 types of trees. So you have warm weather trees, you have cold weather trees, 
and everything in between. You have fruit-bearing trees. And so you have all this diversity. But one thing that's in common with the diversity of the types of trees is they all need a root system. They all get their life from being rooted in the ground. It gives them stability, you know, in the wind and in the storms. And it, the roots go deeper and get nourishment, get water, etc. It's how a, a tree, you know, feeds itself, so to speak. I read an article in a Florida, uh, written by a Florida landscaper company, and in there it said that oak trees need storms in order for their roots to, to grow properly. That the little pushing of the, of the wind and all of that causes that to strengthen the root system of the oak trees. Well, you know, we as a world are in the middle of a storm. It's chaotic. Things are, are seem out of control. And I believe God wants to strengthen our root system spiritually, so to speak, that our roots would go deeper and deeper and that we would grow in our relationship with Jesus and, and, and grow our faith in this time. We're going to start today rooted in Christ, and it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, the first 14 verses. And it's interesting that in the Greek, which the New Testament was originally written in Greek, it, the first 14 verses are one long sentence. There's no commas or any of those things. And it's just, a you know, you grammar police, it's a run-on sentence. Paul goes 14 verses. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth and under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. 
So how do we stay rooted in Christ? Those 14 verses are so, so rich, so much to talk through. Um, How do we do that? Because I don't want any of us to lose our faith because of any kind of crisis. This crisis that we're in is going to look different years from now, and there'll be another crisis. There'll be something else that happens individually. So in our lives, how do we stay rooted in Christ? How do we let our roots go deeper, so to speak, having our faith strengthened? Well, there's four questions to ask and answer from the text that we just read. The first question is this, do we know who we are because of Christ? Do you know who we are because of Christ? There's an amazing passage here about how God sees us. God sees us in Christ. He sees us in His Son. Do we see ourselves there? Do we know who we are because of Jesus? When you think about using this idea of of being rooted Um, Our root system, if our lives are like a tree, our root system that we are living from that determines who we are, that, you know, a root system determines what kind of tree uh, it's going to be. So with us, our root system is every spiritual blessing that comes from the Father. That's what Paul said. He said he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing from the Father. Again, he said, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Jesus equals every spiritual blessing. He is every blessing possible. Everything that is Jesus's, everything that's Christ's, is he shares with us. He he shares with us what is his is ours. That's awesome. Jesus created the world. He sustains the world. He's redeemed all things, and he shares that who he is with us. In a sense, we could say we're spiritual billionaires, like we lack nothing. And so we receive every spiritual blessing through our union with Jesus. We receive it through our union with Jesus. You know, 11 times in those verses, Paul used the phrase, in Christ. And so we're connected to Christ. We're we're in union with Jesus. If you're taking notes, um, write these verses down. Galatians 2.20 says that we've been crucified with Christ. Colossians 2.20 says that we died with Christ. Romans 6.4 says we were buried with Christ. Ephesians 2.5 says that we were made alive with Christ. And then Colossians 3.1 says that we were raised with Christ. What does that mean for you and I? That's, that's our union with Him. The emphasis there is that Jesus' work in His life, death, and resurrection supersedes time. As a matter of fact, We're told that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus' coming and his work on the cross was not God's plan B. It was always plan A. From the foundation of the world, Jesus, this, this plan of salvation was there. So it supersedes time. Therefore, the reality for you and I is that we were crucified with Christ. We can see ourselves that that when he was crucified, we were crucified. 
When he died, we died. When he was buried, we were there too. That's how he wants us to understand that union that we have with Christ. It's, 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 it's as if it happened to us. And so this passage has so much to do with our identity in Christ. You and I are going to find our identity in something or someone. It's just how we were, we were, we were created to find it in God. But when we don't know that, we're tugged and, and, and distracted in other directions to find our self-worth, our self-esteem, our significance, our security, our hope in things, or even people sometimes. But this passage says, man, find your identity in Jesus. And that's not, you don't need to work up feelings. Uh, finding your, your identity in Jesus is a faith thing. And, and you know, all those things that 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 Paul said are, are true with us, that we were crucified with Christ, we died with him. You know, how do we believe that? It seems kind of out there a little bit. And, and how, do, how do we embrace that? How do we receive our union? I, I would say this to you. How many people were crucified with Jesus when he was crucified? Two, right? A thief on the right and a thief on the left, Jesus in between. How do we know that that's true? Well, the scriptures teach that. The same scripture is teaching you and I who we are in Christ and what is true of us. You've been told a lot of messages all your life that maybe you weren't worth anything or you were worthless or you, you were told you know, that you weren't lovable or you're not attractive, whatever it is. You've heard those kind of messages. And this right here says, you know, you're lovable. You're, you were worth everything for Jesus to do what he did. And he gives us and shares with us his very life. Listen, here's, here's through Christ, we have been chosen. We're holy and without fault, meaning we're, we're blameless. Like even, even though we have guilt and shame over things that we've done, he sees us as holy and blameless. We've been adopted what a picture of the gospel is adoption. We've been adopted into the family of God. We're accepted. We've been given wisdom, spiritual wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to see life from God's perspective. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Sealed, meaning none of these things that, are, that we're talking about here can be taken away from us. And then we've been given an eternal inheritance. We have all we need. We've been given everything that we need for life and for godliness. We just need to access it by faith and understand our union with Christ. Um, I want to be vulnerable with you. This past Tuesday, I woke up in a bad mood. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's just me. I woke up in a bad mood and... I had a neck hurt. I woke up to that news of the people in the South that were in tornadoes and having their homes ruined and churches ruined and uh, people having to stay in a tornado shelter, social distancing and all of that. And I thought, man, what else could happen? Those poor folks. And I got grouchy, you know, go figure. I, I was, got snappy at my dog, our cute little dog. Um, snappy with my family. And I went to run an errand 
and I was like, Lord, why am I angry? And, you know, because I don't do sad very well. I don't know if you're one of those kind of people. I don't know if it's a, a guy thing or, or whatever, my temperament, but I don't like to do sad. I, I'm learning how to, to, when, when, to let myself feel sad when I am. I can do angry, right? It's easy to be angry. It doesn't seem weak. But I said, Lord, what's the source of my anger? And I immediately heard him say, Scott, I'm your source. I'm your source of hope, of joy, of peace, of, of a future. I'm your source. And when I stop looking at the source of who he is, if I forget who I am in Christ and I forget what he's promised, it's easy to get angry, sad, and even feel hopeless. But in him, we have everything we need. All right, the second question to ask is, are we living like people who are united to Christ? Are we living like people who are united to Christ? Do we know who we are in Christ? And then is that translating into how I live my life? I love the Apostle Paul. He uh, planted all these churches and he always took good care of them pastorally from afar with these letters that were preserved for us to understand how to do church and follow Jesus. And he wrote a letter to the, to the Corinthian church, and the church at Corinth came out of serious paganism. And they were, they were all young in their walk, so to speak. And they were doing some crazy things. Like they had a lot of doctrinal questions, but they were also, their practice was bad. Like they were getting hammered at the communion table and throwing, making it a party and all this kind of stuff. And so Paul is writing writes them, but he doesn't come right away with the correction of their bad behavior. He first tells them who they are in Jesus. He tells them who they are in Christ. They're filled with grace and spiritual gifts. Then he begins to correct them. And it made me think about how, you know, some families that maybe they're really proud of their family name or they're proud of their family heritage. And it'd be like for me, last name Applegate, like telling my kids, hey, live like an Applegate today, or, hey, you're not living like an Applegate. That's not how we live or what we do. Um, I remember when I was a, a little kid, I fell in love with hockey. And I remember telling my dad, I said, hey, dad, I think I want to, this was like third grade, I think I want to play hockey and learn how to skate. And he goes, not in the Applegate family. We, we, we don't play that sport. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but take that to even a way bigger picture. Like we're in Christ. We represent Christ. We're in the family of God. Let's live like a member of the family of God. Live in the way he would have us live. In verse 13, Paul wrote them, he said, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own, giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. See, the, he, he said, you Gentiles, you non-Jews, right? You've now been brought together into the family of God. You know, Jews and Gentiles together in Christ. And he's saying, man, when you believed, he identified you as part of his family. So taking the idea of, of rooted and roots, Roots determine fruit. 
An orange tree produces orange oranges because of its root system. It's the type of tree it is. And God wants you and I, as we're rooted in Christ, to produce good fruit in our life, both of good deeds and the fruits of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 15, verses 4 through 5, he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. To remain in Jesus or to abide in Jesus is to maintain a a living, vital, active relationship with him. Staying connected, staying rooted in him is what that what Jesus is saying there. He never goes anywhere. It's us who, you know, try to disconnect sometimes. And we need to stay connected to him in order to produce fruit. I think there's four things I would say to do to keep that vital relationship with Jesus going. Number one, remain in the word. Remain in the scriptures. Read the gospels. Read about how Jesus lived and what he taught. Read the epistles about who we are in Christ and and what does it mean to be a disciple. Read, Read the Bible. Stay in the Word. Get familiar with the Word. The more familiar you are with the Word, the more you're going to understand who He is, and then you're going to understand His plan for your life and the type of life that He wants you to live. And then remain in prayer. Stay prayerful. God wants us to um, to talk to Him about everything. Seek His wisdom. Seek His guidance. Seek His direction. Um, you know, ask Him about every day. You know, God, what do you want me to do today? And He will lead you. We're led by the Spirit of God. And then remain in fellowship. Over fifty times in the New Testament, we're told to practice the one another's love one another, care for one another, pray for one another. All of these things are the one another's. And that's the word fellowship is a churchy word, but it's, it's, it's doing life together, but it's more than just having a barbecue together or playing a game or something. It's encouraging one another in our spiritual walk and in our discipleship. We need one another. Uh, following Jesus is not an individual thing. It, it's, it's us together. Um, it's, he, it's, it was never meant to be you know, an individual thing, but where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. So obviously we have our own walk, but one of the key ingredients to connecting with Jesus is connecting with other believers. Then the fourth thing I would say is determine to do everything Jesus says to do. Like, can you read what he says to do? Believe that he knows what's best, and let's determine to have obedience to what he says to do. I mean, it's, that's so important that we determine ahead of time to put into practice the words and teachings of Jesus. As you do those four things, as you remain in Christ, he produces fruit. He produces fruit of good deeds and the fruit of the Spirit. As we studied the first two months of the year, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So what do we do when we don't behave 
in the family resemblance of Christ. What do we do when we, when we mess up? You repent. The gift from God in all of this is, listen, He sees us through the lens of grace and mercy, and He knows that we are all works in progress. Um, he wants our hearts and He wants our wills to, to be in line with His will. And so repentance is a gift that when I get off the road of following Jesus, repentance is I just get back on the road. I stop doing something that I know uh, a child of God or a, 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 you know, being in the family of Christ that I don't do that. Or if I, if I hurt someone's feelings and I'm asked, quick to apologize, quick to ask for forgiveness, that's the most important thing that we can do is just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I'm, I messed up. I mean, he's, God's never not shown mercy and grace to someone who asked for it. All right, the third question to stay rooted in Christ to ask and then answer is, are we living like people who know our future? Are we living like people who know our future? Now, the truth is, none of us can predict in the short term or long term what the future holds. Like, none of us know the future, but we know the one who does hold the future. When I say, are we living like people who know our future? Are we living like people that have our ultimate hope in the life to come. That has to be our orientation upwards is, Lord, my hope is in you and in the life to come. He said in verse 14, he said, the spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. Regardless of what happens in this life, our ultimate hope and future is with him in that inheritance that he talks about. The word inheritance, you know, you got to remember you're a joint heir with Christ. You're a co-heir with Christ. Everything that is his, he's going to share with us in the life to come. And the Holy Spirit was given to seal that, that nothing can be taken away from what our future has. All that is Christ is ours. You think about a rich person leaving an inheritance, you know, to their children. Obviously, the more money and more stuff somebody has, the bigger the inheritance. Well, we're talking about the king of the universe sharing his inheritance with us. It's amazing. Talk just for a moment about the Holy Spirit, because he says the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of what we're going to get. He's the down payment, so to speak. That, that our inheritance is sure with Him. Let's don't just give lip service to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. When Jesus walked the earth, He was limited in His human body to time and space. But when He went to heaven, He poured out the Holy Spirit on us so that we would have His very presence with us all the time. We are led by the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. We... Uh, do everything by the person and work of the Holy Spirit. He's the very presence of God with us all the time because He is God. Um, we're, we're told that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, meaning, you know, they, they, uh, in the temple, the actual temple that the Jews, they would go, you know, and, and do, the, do the sacrifices and all of that that the, the presence of God, the, the Shekinah glory of God was 
in the temple, in the Holy of Holies. And yet Paul uses that language and says, you know, there is no longer a temple and that you and I are now the temple of God where God's spirit and glory reside in. And let's never forget the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. He's the spirit that lives in us. We have that kind of power, that kind of access living within us as fragile people, you know, who are, 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 are getting older and, and breaking down, yet we have the ultimate spirit of God living within us. All right. The fourth question to ask is, are we giving him our best praise and worship in all circumstances? You want to stay rooted in Jesus. You got to know, you know, who you are because of Jesus. Live like a person that's connected to Jesus. And then know our ultimate future. And then live a lifestyle of, of praise and worship to God in all circumstances, not just in the good times, but in the difficulties as well. Verse 14 says, he did this so that we would praise and glorify him. There's such a wow factor to these 14 verses that we're talking about. I mean, to say the word wow is an act of worship, right? You look at this and you read it, and it should just, you know, wow, God, are you serious? This is who I am because of Jesus. This is who you are. You know, the first time I saw the Grand Canyon, I mean, wow, this is big. <laughs> first time you see the world from an airplane, the land from the airplane, wow, it's pretty amazing. It's impressive. Man, this should elicit in us a huge wow, an awe. That's what worship is. is it's a wow, God, you're so good. And, it, and God, I'm in awe of who you are. That's why this is such good news. The gospel is the best news ever because of what God, how much he loves us and what he's done for us. That's why we can give thanks in all circumstances like we're told. Uh, to give thanks in all circumstances, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The reason we can do that is because circumstances don't change Jesus and it doesn't change who we are in him. Remember, you're chosen, you're holy, without fault, adopted, accepted, given wisdom. We're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We've been given an eternal inheritance. There's two things I want all of us to do. Um, you can do this today, do it sometime this week for sure. Two things, it's your homework. <laughs> kids that are studying online are like, you got to give me a break. Um, please do this. Two, two simple things you can do. Go back through these 14 verses. Um, and I want you to find those 11 things that I told you 11 times where he uses the phrase in Christ and see what blessing is attached to it. Do a little Bible study. You see a, a picture on, on the screen. This is my Bible. And what I've done in going and, and, and circling it every time he says the word in Christ. And then that's how I found all these things that are true of us in Christ. But I want you to, to do it yourself. Go into your Bible or print it off if you do it digitally. Print it off, but go in and find it, circle it, highlight it. And the second thing I want you to do, there's a, a link um, 
on this on this page that you can go and there's a there's a picture of a of a tree and its roots and i want you to 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 download that photo and maybe make it your screensaver over the next few weeks on your computer or on your phone or if you don't want to do that print it off and have it on your mirror um, keep it in your car so that you're continually reminded of being rooted in Jesus. It reminds us in our you know, behavior, like, man, I'm rooted in Christ. So I don't want to behave like this. It, when we're discouraged, when we're fearful, man, I'm rooted in Christ. Okay? All right, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we cannot thank you enough for what you've done for us. And to that we say, wow, you're so gracious and so good. Lord, bless my church family this, this morning with a, a deeper, greater knowledge of who we are because of you and who you are. Give us a greater revelation of who you are and your wonderful love. Lord, I pray for everyone listening to this. I pray for health. I pray for grace. I pray for daily bread and, and, and all that's needed, Lord, for today. And we trust you with our tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you, church family. Um, please, if you want to pray, talk, whatever it is, doors open all the time. I love you.